0: I'm Sonia. I'm Sapna. And this is... Loudmouth Loud geese We wanted to start off this week's episode with a content warning. In this
1: episode, we will be talking about sexual assault and rape. <laughs>
0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Loudmouth Larkies.
1: So this episode is going to be a little more serious as we'll be talking about sexual assault and the issue of sexual assault in South Asian American communities and South Asian communities in general. So we'll be talking about two different cases. Um, Many of you
0: have already heard of Ruth George, who was a kinesiology student at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Last November in 2019, she was found dead in her car at a UIC garage. She was walking back to her car in a campus garage when Donald Thurman started following and catcalling her. George, like many of us would, ignored the catcalls, and Thurman became angered at her, rejection. ignoring him and his or her rejection, essentially. Um, she ignored his advances and... I guess kind of angered by this rejection, he followed
1: her into her car and sexually assaulted and murdered Ruth George. And so the reason why we wanted to bring up this story and the reason why it was so shocking to us is because she was a college student not very different from either Sonia or I. And she was someone who was just minding her daily business. She was going back from a long day of school she was just getting into her car to go home and something this terrible, this violent happened to her. And it happened because she was just walking around and someone decided to catcall her and, and provoke her and, and she didn't budge. And this person felt so kind of obligated and just angry entitled. I guess. Yeah. And it's it's
0: interesting and just seeing the outcry afterwards because she was someone that a lot of us identified with in just how she looked and who she was and what she did. And it's, it really could have been any of us. And I think that's a conversation that really got
1: started when this happened. Um, I think what was really interesting as I was talking to a few of my friends about this, and typically it's some of my male friends who kind of were confused and weren't really aware of how prevalent the issue of catcalling is. Um, so some people have just misconceptions about what it is uh, or how scary it often is. Like oh, some absolutely. Some kind of asked me like, oh, isn't it kind of a compliment if someone finds you attractive on the street? Like it's the same thing as someone approaching you in like a coffee shop and asking for your number. But It's so vastly different, though. It's such a different
0: experience. I had a conversation with a friend, too, a male friend, and he kind of asked me, like, does it really happen? And I was like, yeah, it's happened to me multiple times. Um, The one that sticks out to me the most is probably my first – or the first time I was catcalled, but the one that was most – like, that's most seared into my brain. Um, I was in high school. I'm pretty sure I was a freshman in high school – I was on a run and I was on a run on a sidewalk and it was next to a road that kind of like goes into a freeway or leads to a freeway so there were trucks coming down this this road that I was running next to and I'm running in the opposite direction of where the cars are going and this 18-wheeler truck is coming towards me as I'm running and The driver honks at me and opens his window and, like, kind of yells something at me. And I have no idea. I just kind of blocked it out. I just started running a lot faster. I was 14. I had no idea what was happening. I was terrified.
1: Yeah, and and that's kind of one of the things that I tell a lot of people who just don't understand the prevalence of catcalling. I kind of tell them, you know, like, ask any of your female friends or any female relatives when is the youngest age that they've been catcalled? and you'll be really surprised for me I think it was something like being 12 or 13 on a sidewalk in India and being catcalled and just being confused I was just like these people don't know who I am like yeah. what's happening and um, it's
0: I like I was thinking about this earlier it's become such a norm I now I live in Philadelphia um definitely been catcalled there it's very like it's a normal thing for me, and it's a normal thing for a lot of my friends, too. Yeah. And the way I've kind of come to respond to it is kind of as a joke. Like, if I hear someone catcall um, me or my friends, I'm like, oh, thank you. But it's more like I don't really appreciate it. It's no, like, not at all. like, hey, this is just the only way for me to deal with this yeah. and take it as a joke. And then you hear about Ruth George, yeah. and you're like, I have ignored so many catcalls, and
1: and that could have been me and it's such a vulnerable situation because if you're alone and it's late or even if it's in the middle of the day and that's like that's the frustrating part of it it could have been anyone it could have been anytime anywhere if are you supposed to respond? Are you supposed to ignore it? You know, people have different just approaches based on how you're feeling at that time. And either around. way you go,
0: you could be, you could be assaulted. Yeah. yeah, if you say the wrong thing. or If you, you say something, you don't say something. There have been situations where, uh, I was telling you about this earlier, I was approached right outside a subway station in Philadelphia and... It was the most civil catcall experience I'd yeah, ever had. Yeah. And I remember walking away from that situation thinking, wow, that man was so nice. And then no. really having to reassess that and being like, no, that was actually really creepy. It was just
1: not as bad as it could have been. And that's the thing. It's like catcalling is not compliment. It's, no. not, it's not a compliment and it's not flattering. Uh, it's, for the most part, it's uncomfortable. It's scary. And then when you're reminded... Uh, about the story of Ruth George, it's just the the scariest thing. Like it sh- it sends shivers down my spine. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about how the week after this story, um, I was getting my eyebrows done, uh, which is a little further away from campus, and I typically walk alone to do that in the middle of the day. And someone cat called me, and I just got scared because I was thinking about what happens in other places in the country, even down the street from me. Like what is able to happen? Um, yeah. And it's not the it's not the victim's fault.
0: And very, very soon after Ruth George was
1: brutally assaulted, we got another story, and this one came from India. Yeah, so all the way across the world, just proving to everyone how universal of an issue this is, how it doesn't only affect women of a certain age, of certain background, of a certain nationality, whatever. Uh, another similar story happened to Dr. Priyanka Reddy in Hyderabad on November 26, 2019. So Dr. Priyanka Reddy was an Indian veterinarian who was unfortunately murdered, raped, and burned in Hyderabad. And four men were accused of the crime. And at the time, she was 35 years old. So the media, interestingly enough, mentioned among several things that the four men who attacked her were drunk, which was this weird... When I was reading this, I was kind of confused as to why they even mentioned it, Mm -hmm. as if it kind of diminished... Or justified. Or justified what they did. Um, But ultimately, she was... I believe coming back from work. She was leaving from work. Yeah. So this kind of is like, it's not like she was at a weird place at a weird time. It was, she was just doing her daily routine just as Ruth George was. And so she was riding her motorcycle and noticed that um, someone had punctured her tire uh, of, of her motorcycle. And so she stopped in this square in this, like this area and she called her sister saying that she was afraid. She didn't know what was going to happen, that she was going to be a bit delayed Um, This happened around 9.30 p.m. So once again, like, not a crazy weird time. It's not like she was, she put herself in danger, which is what media typically brings up in these cases. Um, But yeah, so she, at around 9.30, realized that she was alone in this area. Her, uh, Her tire was punctured and that these four men were approaching her. And what happened after was just... Too brutal to even recall. She was um, raped, burned, murdered, and never got to see life again. Yeah, they
0: found her burned body about 25 kilometers from the square where she last called her sister from. And, you know, it really incited um, a mass movement among women in India and, and just women worldwide. Women worldwide, but. You know, the interesting thing is, this isn't the first time it's happened. Um, December 2012, uh, a 23-year-old student was raped and beaten on a moving bus
1: in Delhi, in India. In August of 2013, a 22-year-old photojournalist was gang-raped by five men in South Mumbai.
0: May 2014, two teenage girls aged 12 and 14 were raped and
1: hanged in Uttar Pradesh. And on March 8, 2015, that's International Women's Day, the BBC documentary uh, India's Daughter about Jyoti Devi, a young student who had died after being gang raped, was banned by the Indian government.
0: And you see this movement happening after all of these situations, especially when India's Daughter, the movie came out and they had dubbed Jyoti Devi as Nirapaya and now you have the case of Dr. Priyanka Reddy. And you see the hashtag trending, not India's fucking daughter. And I thought it was really interesting because just a few years prior, you see this whole movement and it happens again and it's this idea that you cannot simply just, you can't get the public's... Um, sympathy by saying she's India's daughter like that's
1: not clearly they're not India's daughters if this is happening to them and it's kind of like this importance of not just saying something and then doing something else because often in India in a lot of these countries even in America it's like we we see women this one way we regard them as one way in the media and everything but at the same time all these terrible terrible things are happening to women, uh, not only in India, but worldwide. And so the reason why we bring this issue up, um, not only is this an issue within South Asian communities or South Asian American communities, uh, and not only is it an issue that happens to to women uh, sexual assault happens worldwide
0: across individuals it does happen to trans individuals in fact disproportionately to trans individuals and men experience sexual assault as well and it's one of those things that is is not as talked about and it's something we really do want to make sure that we address you know sexual assault in trans communities and sexual assault towards men is a very very real issue We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of Loud Mouth Larkies. We wanted to take a second to talk to you about one of our amazing sponsors, the Katra Box, a seasonal subscription box filled with all kinds of products handpicked especially for South Asian American women. They ensure that their subscribers are getting ethnically made and environmentally friendly goods that are curated to uplift the South Asian American woman while honoring South Asian traditions. And to top it off, they only work with women-owned and minority-owned companies. We're so excited to partner with The Cutra Box this season, and we hope you'll check them out at their website, www.thekatrabox.com, or their Instagram, at thekatrabox.
1: I think a real reason why it kind of shocked so many people, uh, and I saw this all over my social media, uh, and just everyone was talking about it, I think it's another sobering reminder of how prominent the issue of sexual assault and sexual violence is. As college
0: students, there are times where, you know, you're walking around on campus, you have to be alone. I work night shifts, I come home pretty late, and I'm, you know, at that time there's no one to walk with me, and I just kind of walk, and it, I don't really think about it. Yeah, because
1: um, it's, it's scary too. I like, think yeah, you don't want to walk around and be like, oh gosh, like I remember all the numbers, and...
0: And then it's become such a norm, so it's like, I'm not going to think about it. And then you have situations where, you know, you hear about Ruth George, you hear about Priyanka Reddy, you watch India's daughter. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this really could happen to anyone. Um, According to research conducted, 11.2% of college students in America experience rape or sexual assault. Um, You'll often hear the number one in six individuals will experience, and that's for women, yeah. one in six individuals will experience sexual assault in America, and one in 33, 33 men. Yeah. And every 73 seconds, according to Rain,
1: um, an American is assaulted. Um, and this is just, once again, crazy to think about, and you really forget the kind of weight that these numbers have until you see it or you hear a story of it or for example uh during finals week for us we get notifications and emails every time that a sexual assault is um reported and so a bunch of times uh during finals week this like random notifications would come up that uh, someone was assaulted when they were coming back from the library at 2 a.m because they were studying and it's just so so scary to think about how prominent it is and once again just such a sobering reminder um and this is just here in america obviously there's loads of cases all over the world uh and we want to bring up the case of india uh because that is the place where dr priyanka reddy's uh situation occurred. And so in 2018, there was a survey conducted by by the Thomson Reuters Foundation. And so it ranked India as the world's most dangerous country for women. So that's ahead of Afghanistan, Syria and Saudi Arabia. Um, And this was kind of uh, surveyed on the basis of healthcare discrimination, cultural traditions, sexual and non-sexual violence and human trafficking. Uh, so it was interesting to see that India, which is uh, a country that we think about for having like Indra Gandhi, was like, there were there were lots of women who had power at some mm-hmm. point. But it's important to understand the idea of like India's daughter. It's not always the same regard that yeah. people hold for women.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think a really big thing that kind of plays into the situation of sexual assault and sexual violence is victim blaming Mm -hmm. and how we, the discourse around it, you know, um, you take Ruth George's story and you will hear people in our community say, why was she out so late? Why was she alone? Why was she walking alone to her garage at night? Why was she walking to her car alone at night? Yeah. Why didn't she... Um, I've been told this so many times, when you get in your car late at night in a garage, you you get in and you lock your door right away. And that's what people are going to tell you when you hear Ruth George's story. Yeah. And it's this continuous thing of like, when we hear these situations, it's let us look to our daughters and tell them how to protect themselves. And while I understand why that is the initial reaction, the narrative that is being portrayed here is, it is the job of a woman... To keep herself safe. Yeah. And yes, I should be able to keep myself safe. I pride myself in being able to keep myself safe. Yeah, But the issue is not me not being able to keep myself safe. And that's why I got hurt. It's because men,
1: in particular, are not educated on this. Yeah, I think that a lot of the messaging about preventing sexual assault goes to the woman or the victim. And the same way, a lot of the messaging about these sexual assault incidences blames, not even intentionally, just sometimes just unintentionally, just by the language, it ends up blaming the victim. And you you don't have, and you have this lack of
0: discussion and discourse with men about how, you know, they're not entitled to a woman or a partner.
1: Yeah. So like a a lot of the language is, what was she wearing? Why was she out so late? Uh, Oh, he was a nice guy. Why didn't she, why didn't she give him a chance? Yeah. And, and for example, just in the case of Dr. Priyanka Reddy, the state minister said that she could have been saved if instead of calling her sister when she was scared, she called the police. And so that's just a moment of, you know, like there were regardless of everything that happened, why did not she do this? And, yeah.
0: And as a survivor myself, like I will tell you, and just this is my experience, but the experience of many that I've spoken to as well. Reaching out to the police is not an easy
1: thing yeah. to do
0: no. when you want to report a sexual assault. No. It is not easy. It is very traumatic. There are situations where people will not believe you, and a lot of the questioning does require you to relive the assault.
1: Yeah. And it, it's so traumatic in that sense. And then to people, for people to just kind of dismiss it is, yeah. is very not only painful to the people who have to suffer uh, these like, the, the trauma of this, but it's it's painful for the generations of young women growing up knowing that uh, people might not listen to you. Absolutely. And I think
0: we were talking about how to end this episode and just kind of this feeling of hopelessness, but it was a conversation we did want to have, and we kind of wanted to talk to you all about this, um...
1: So, unfortunately, because this issue is just so complex and so deeply rooted in all of these societies, it's important to, you know, as a solution, we have to educate our communities, not just our girls, about the dangers of catcalling and sexual assault. Uh, you know, almost every single woman that I know who's walking alone knows and is educated about what can happen. You know, yeah. she's, she's clutching her her keys, her wallet, her pepper spray even yeah. and, just and just hyper aware about the surroundings.
0: And, you know, after the hashtag Me Too movement started, a lot of men came forward and they were like, how do we – what do we do? Like, how how we do help? we help? How yeah. can we help? And it's not just, you know, standing up for women when you see them in uncomfortable positions – Um,
1: that would be helpful. No, no, it is. No, definitely. Like stand up
0: for women when you see them in uncomfortable positions. Yeah. Talk to your, like have discussions, have conversations with other men about like, how can we make sure that we are, you know, doing something that makes people, not doing something that makes people safe, but are we making sure that what we're doing is not, um, enclosing on another person's privacy or safety, but also, having conversations
1: with women and listening to them. And that being said, like also having conversations with men. And if you hear locker room talk and you hear this degrading uh, messaging uh, like about women that kind of uh, propagates this stop rape culture. Stop it there. Stop it. I know it's hard, but try your best. Honestly, because
0: if you are surrounded by people who have those conversations, you are complicit yeah. in what those conversations then become.
1: So in terms of resources, we we didn't want to finish this episode off without giving you a place to reach out if you do need uh, to talk to someone about this. And so uh, you can call 800-656-HOPE, so that's 800-656-4673, to be connected with a trained staff member from a sexual assault service provider in your area.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Loud Mouth Like He's. You can catch us next week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. A huge shout-out to ZHK Designs, DJ Anupia, and The Guthra Box. Rate and subscribe to our podcast, follow us on social media at loudmouthreadkeys, and shoot us an email. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and we'll see you next week.